Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. So cool to hear Victor's testimony, and I had the pleasure of doing Victor's wedding, Victor and Ashley's wedding this past uh, weekend, so actually on Thursday. So it was a really beautiful time. I was blessed to be able to do it. It was also cool hearing his story of how things feel, felt like they were falling apart. Even though he had this incredible opportunity to get engaged, there was all these other things that did not seem like they were going right. And when when we reach these points in our lives, whether it's in 2020 or 2021, there comes a point where things seem like they're getting dark. And that's what we've been talking about in this series of how it seems like the darkness is winning. It seems like finances aren't working out. It seems like I'm going for a job and I think I'm the only one going to get interviewed. And there's a whole line of people being interviewed. There's these moments when Things don't seem like they're working out. What we said last week is that life gets complicated. There's problems we can't solve, people we can't control, and expectations we can't meet. And I love one of the things that uh, Victor said there in that he said there came a point where he acknowledged like, man, I, I, I like having control. Like, I like knowing that I have a job lined up. I like knowing that I have an apartment lined up. Many of us are like that. And one of the traps that we fall into is that when we fall into a moment where things fell apart, the next time we see life having any kind of tragedy, any kind of trial, we start to seek control. We start to do more than enough to gain control of the moment. We start to manipulate the process. Maybe we find our way around integrity just to maintain control. And one of the things that I love about this season is that we start to watch different movies. And uh, one of the movies that I think back about is uh, Black Panther. And I was really struck by when we watched Black Panther and uh, I think it was, uh, was his Killmonger. Uh, I, I was amazed how a lot of people related to Killmonger because they thought to themselves, man, I could see how he was upset about the way he was raised and how you know, things didn't work out in America and how they, didn't, they weren't using vibranium over in the States and whatnot. And people were, were able to relate to the villain. I think in a lot of ways, the story that we're going to look at today, we're going to be able to relate to the villain that we see because a lot of times what we see is a villain has ambition that's out of control. He has a desire to make sure things work in the way that he desires them to work. A lot of ways we want things to be preserved. We want things to be controlled. We want protection. And oftentimes we fight in order to make sure that we can keep it. In a lot of ways we want power. Any villain wants power. And we will do whatever we can. And as humans, we know that power is a finite resource, something that's limited. And when you see and think power as a finite resource, you feel threatened and you start to hoard it because you presume it's so limited. And yet we serve a God that we know is not only a higher power, he has unlimited power and we can tap into it. 
if we seek him out. And if we have God in our lives, if we're in these moments like Victor was, where everything seems like things are turning off and it's not working out the way we thought, you would think that's the moment that we would press into God's power. We would press into God's control when we think that we don't have control. And what it really comes down to is an issue of trust. Will we trust God in 2020 in the moments that things are getting dark? Will we trust God when we have applied and things aren't working out? Will we trust God when relationships aren't working the way we thought they would? It's an issue of trust. Trust is nothing more than submission and obedience, following through on God's promises and trusting him that we will yield our lives to God, believing that God has a greater plan, a higher plan, and has more knowledge and insight than all of us. And we yield our lives to God. Once you go over into 2021, you'll have a moment where things seem very dark and you will have to relinquish control and give it all to him. Interesting, in this story that we're gonna look at today, there is a villain that we're gonna relate to a little bit because he was a villain that had ambition, desire, and sought control. His name is Herod. King Herod is an interesting figure because as you look at the story of King Herod, he is uh, what you call the client king. A client king is one who came in and took over power from another king. He wasn't the king of Judea, but he defeated the king. He was smart and bold. He was talented. He oversaw a building projects so that Jerusalem would have temples. He was a politician. He was one of the wisest leaders of his time. But one of the challenges with Herod was Herod was a wild boy. Herod had nine wives and several sons. He killed off several of his sons. He killed off several of his wives because he presumed that many of them were trying to reach up to get his power. He killed off one of his sons because he didn't want to transfer power over to him. He didn't want to transfer the kingdom over to him. He was a man consumed by control. Then about 70 years old, Herod was having a painful kidney disease. It seemed like he was on his deathbed. And then around that time, Herod is struck by reality that he wasn't waiting for. Matthew chapter two tells us this in Matthew chapter two, verse one. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. Now, the Magi studied stars. They were understanding that the movement of the stars would help them predict and understand the future. And so in Matthew 2 and 3, it says, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem was with him. Now, there's several things you have to understand. The Jews already had a king. That king was Herod. And King Herod had a problem because he's hearing that there's a king 
that's born. Now you have to understand, as the client king, he came over and he destroyed with his power to take over to become king. In other words, he was a conquering king. There was no such thing as a born king. You don't get born as a king. You just don't get wake up and become a king. You have to take over to become king. So in his mind, having this king come into his city was a threat to his power. So immediately, Herod is threatened. Verse four, it says, so he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. Many of the Jews already understood this and knew this. In verse five and six, it says, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him because of this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. He's quoting Micah 5, 2. And then in verses 7 and 8, it says, Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I can, too, can go and worship him. Now, we know King Herod did not want to worship the king, but he secretly said this so that he could find him. Verse 9, after hearing the king, they went their way, and there it was, the star they had seen its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Verse 11, entering the house, here are the magi. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The Magi had traveled all that way just to be able to see this king, this baby. And when they saw them, Mary, the manger, they bow down and they worship. And in worshiping, they recognize the worth of the baby. There is therefore the definition of worship. It is to ascribe worth to one, to see their awesome power, and then to respond physically, he gets on his knees. To respond financially, they give them gifts. In many ways, they gave gifts because they acknowledge you, this little baby, is the one that will rule the world. They were captured by the power of this young child. It is in this moment that we see that when we are in a moment where we have, we're captured to whether or not we will be in control or whether we have life tightening up, whether things are not working out, we have a moment where we will acknowledge God's power, yield our life to it, or we will be like Herod and try to seek control. The Magi jump down to their knees and they say, you are the one that has all power. Your power is greater than mine. Your knowledge is greater than mine. Your ways 
are not like my ways. They're worshiping a baby, but they're worshiping, acknowledging, knowing this child is going to be in control of the world. You have that choice in the midst of all your plans. It's your plan or God's plan, your control or God's control. There's a desire inside of us to yield power or to be captured by power. We struggle to give God control. We struggle to trust. We struggle to yield to the divine power of God. And on some level, we have to ask ourselves, as people who are living in a city where no one trusts anyone, people who are living in maybe family situations where you were taught not to trust anyone, Maybe you're in a home where you can't trust anyone. There's, everyone's around you has failed you or let you down. Maybe you were like a moment where Victor was in where you can't see anything working out, so you've got to manipulate the process just a little bit to make sure things work out for you. But one of the things that I thought about as I was putting this message together is that there's someone we trust. This past week, uh, I went to a cardiologist to check my heart. And he said, James, you have an enlarged, uh, your, your, the, the aorta or whatever, he says you had an enlarged uh, wing in your heart. You know, the, this, this area right here, it's, it's enlarged. I said, okay. He says, but, but don't worry. He says, you're a big dude. You should have a large heart. I said, okay. He says, so you're fine. I said, all right. He said, but if you, had, if you had gone on WebMD by yourself and saw that you had an enlarged area, you would have been scared. He says, so you have to, he says, so sometimes you just got to trust the doctor. I said, you know, you're right. And there's someone you trust and you give full trust to. Do you really ask all the questions when you go to the mechanic? Some of you do, some of you don't. Do you really read everything Apple asks you to sign up for? Some of you do, some of you don't. Some of you give all your finances over to people to check and to trust because you just trust. You say, you know more than I do. I don't know enough, so you give it over to them. There's someone you trust for finances, someone you trust for mechanics, someone you trust for your body. There's people you trust in other areas of your life why can't we trust God with all of our lives? There's someone you trust. And, and if, if I honored God as having a more elevated thought process than I, like a doctor, what would my life look like if I yielded the power to him? The Lord would say in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration for us. Heaven is higher than earth. So my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts, my thoughts are than your thoughts. Is it, could we just have a moment that when you are in a crisis, as, as Victor is mentioning, like nothing's working out, can we just have a moment where we pause and say, maybe God has a more elevated thought process than mine. Maybe there's something he's doing that I don't see. And it is in that moment 
when you don't see God doing anything that you have to trust him and yield everything to him, almost like worshiping a child who seems like they have no power. It feels very similar as worshiping God when you don't see him doing anything, just like they didn't see that baby doing anything. You have to worship in that moment. It is in, that, it is in the darkest moment that you worship. Oh, I like to worship on the mountain. Who doesn't like to worship on the mountain? When, when the rent is due and you have it, who doesn't worship? When, when relationships are popping, who doesn't worship? It is when light, when, you're, when, when you go and you find out your health is at its worst, that's when you worship the most. When your finances are at their worst, that's when you worship the most. It is in the weakest moment that you find yourself hiding in God's presence. That is worship. And it is in these moments that we hide in God's presence, that we say, we give you control, God. We give you power. It is our Lord who was able to come down, become a child so that he would know us. It was the Lord who went and lived in Nazareth, walked so that he would, know, he would become Emmanuel. So if God went through all those lengths, if I don't see him, it's not because he's hiding. It's because he's doing something I can't see. He has a plan that I don't realize yet. How many times have we done that? How many times have we looked back 10 years later and gone, man, I didn't see it at the time, but man, the Lord, you in control. It's because... 10 years later, we have hindsight. But God does not operate by hindsight. He operates by oversight. He sees all. So he sees, do you understand? God sees the beginning and the end because that's why they call him Alpha and Omega. So right now, God sees the deepest struggle you have. He sees the end result now. That's why you worship him as Alpha and Omega. He, you worship him because you think you're in control right now. It is in that moment that we worship. It is in our weakest moments that we worship. Verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child, his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. Do you notice what God did here? God used two stars. God used two dreams. In other chapters, he uses angels. God is using messages right now to awaken you to the reality of who he is in your life. When God wants you to move, he will help you see it. When God wants you to take another step, he will let you notice it. When you do not hear him, continue to seek him. God will provide wisdom and insight. I know you want to know all the plans laid out. Me too. I want to know everything laid out. Now, first of all, if God told me everything 
that I'm going to encounter in 2021, I'd probably, you know, be upset in them and have a whole conversation with them. But the fact of the matter is you and I want the, the blueprint. We want the details. He does not give us that because we would, if God just gave us the story of our lives, we wouldn't want him. We just want the story. The reality is God slowly leaks out what he's doing. And at times he pauses, but look what he used, stars and dreams. God will get your attention. My wife and I, we lived in um, Texas. And there was a moment when I was, I was serving in a ministry and I didn't really know if I was gonna be in this ministry long. I, I felt like things weren't working out there. Um, but, I, but I had a lot of friends there, you know? And my wife and I had just gotten married. This is 2003. And as I was serving in the ministry, <laughs> I was at a... Uh, <laughs> I was at a burrito shop. This is a crazy story. I was at a burrito shop, and it was uh, called Huyas. And they had these huge burritos, right? And I was sitting there eating the burrito, and I heard the Lord tell me, North Carolina. I was sitting there like, North Carolina. And I sensed, like, I'm supposed to move to North Carolina. I was like, I'm going to move to North Carolina. I just, I just sensed this is what God wants me to do. I had never had an impression like that. I came home. I was like, honey. She was like, huh? I was like, I believe we're supposed to move to North Carolina. She was like, is this you or who yes? Like, is this the burrito? Like, what's really going on? And I remember thinking, like, I don't know what it is, but I just sensed that this is what God is doing now. I am not encouraging you to take every impression like it is the counsel of the Lord. I've seen many people wreck their lives, ruin other people's lives because they take impressions as if it's revelation. What I'm saying is I had an impression, I sought counsel, and then eventually we moved. I would become a pastor at church in North Carolina. God was sending me there. God is sending, God is, God is moving you right now. He is helping your plans right now. And he will get your attention. Just wait on him. Wait on him. I know, I know, I know, I know other people's lives seem like they're moving faster. I know that you're at the age where you thought things were going to be. I know God will get your attention. I know you had a degree and you thought you'd be someplace. God will get your attention. Just wait on him. Just wait on him. If you are walking with God, you are not late. You are on time. Just wait on him. He will get your attention. Look at all that God used. And so, Verse 16, Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with, with the time he had learned from the wise men. Herod had always been able to control outcomes. He was the master of controlling outcomes. And instead of worshiping, he sought control. He kills all these babies. So these soldiers roll up into Bethlehem and they search out for little boys. And they kill toddlers. And they murder one little boy after another, devastating families just because he wanted to maintain control in his life. Some of you 
right now in your lives, the minute that you do not see life working the way you want it to, you stop moving in the spirit and you start walking in the flesh and you become angry and you start to control people and things and you get anxious and you get overwhelmed and you isolate yourself and you get intense. And although you're not Herod taking out little kids, you have that same ambition inside of you. And you don't stop and pause and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where, where I'm going, but I know that if I follow you, it's enough. Instead, you find yourself up all night trying to figure it out. You find yourself scrolling all night trying to worry about it. And God is calling you to release your ambition to him, release control to him. Well, Herod dies, an angel of the Lord appears in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel because those who intended to kill the child are dead. The Lord provides a way for Joseph and his family to make it. Again, an angel here is helping out so that he would know where to go. And eight, 80 years later, from that moment, Herod is gone and Jesus was arrested and crucified. He would resurrect. The temple that Herod had would be destroyed. And John, the one who we know has seen it all and done it all, he would write this in John 3 and 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. The truth of the matter is, it is in this moment that we see that John acknowledges the reason why people don't want the light is because they have a process, they have something that they wanna do on the inside. You see, what Herod is essentially saying is, I don't want Jesus to take my shine. I don't want him to take my plans. And so he hoards because he doesn't want to be exposed. What, it, what would happen if you gave up control of your life? He would change your plans. What would happen if you gave up control of your finances? He would change them. It is in this moment that you have to make a choice. If you think you are doing a good job of running your life, worship will never be interesting to you. It is in relinquishing your life, giving God total control, because worship is submission. Submission brings about obedience. That's following God. And the Lord wants to shine the light on every plan that does not look like his own, for every moment that we are wandering away from him. And so the Magi bow down and they say, I know you're a little baby. I don't know. I don't know. I hear you're the king, so I'm going to just worship you. I'm going to give you everything. I don't see how it's going to work out, but I know, I know from what I can tell, you are the one I should follow. And as we submit our lives to the Lord, 
there are areas right now that we have to ask ourselves if we're submitting to him and following him. One thing can be for sure. What John said at the beginning of the book in John 1, the light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Right now, the, the light of God is shining and drawing us into deeper and deeper relationship. The light of God is asking us and drawing us into a space where we let go of more and more and more. And there's some of you who are A-type personalities that are control freaks. You need to know time, plan. You want God to give you, you know, a notification on every single thing he's going to do. And this is going to be hard for you. But as you let go, as you worship, you will see what that promise of peace and patience, kindness, goodness, it will flow from your life. You cannot have God's peace and still maintain all the control. You've got to relinquish control to God tonight for your plans, for your future. It is within this that we see our King running our lives, not ruining it. And he shows us who he is moment by moment. Father, we thank you for the little child that was born. He is the one we can trust. There's someone we trust. There's someone we trust. There's someone that we say, you know more than I do. And so, Lord, we now yield that to you. You know more than I do. It is in the darkest moments. You're still making a way. You're still drawing me to another place. I'm not stuck. I'm not stagnant. God, you are telling me. You are drawing me. Even though I don't hear you, I may not see you. I know you're working. Now, God, I yield my plans to you. I lay my life down as you laid your life down. We love you, Lord, and we give you our plans in Christ's name. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.